Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Seventh generation, uh-huh. Casey Dunn. The light bulb just went off because you know what I'm flashing back to, Billy? I do. I'm flashing back to this dang wolf scene. Something kind of strange happened during 1883, the Yellowstone origin story. Somewhere along the way, maybe it was episode 7 or episode 8, the lines between fiction and nonfiction started to blur. So much of this show is based on real people and places, and so much of the action seemed so authentic. During the final 15 minutes of the season finale, around the time Elsa's fate becomes crystal clear, I found myself having to take a deep breath to remember these aren't real people. It's all just entertainment. Well, the word entertainment is used loosely in this sense. Was it entertaining to see a cruel and unusual deaths and absolute hopelessness come to a slow crawl? I'm Addison Haker, and I guess it was, because we all enthusiastically signed up for it week after week after week. Today's episode of the Dutton Rules podcast will break down the finale and explore what's to come for the 19th century Duttons. There was one major clue about what may happen on Kevin Costner's Yellowstone that you might have missed, but it reveals everything. And then there's the fate of all this show's major characters, including Thomas and Noemi, the Dutton family, and Shay. Tap follow if you've loved Yellowstone in 1883 so far, because we're breaking it all down and bringing in the research and analysis you need to understand what's happening. In the archives, you'll find interviews with cast members and more. As always, you can be a part of the conversation with an email to staff at tasteofcountry.com. And yes, each email gets a response from either myself or Billy Dukes, who we will bring in right now. Hello, Addison! Hello, Billy. This is our last episode. I feel personally deeply connected at this point. I'm I'm going to have some withdrawals. I think that's why maybe I'm so excited because while I loved this show, I am excited to be done with like the weekly emotional torture that it's brought. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I'm not. I'm a little bit over always having to reach for a Kleenex or you know be emotionally distraught the next day. I'll probably be a happier, nicer person after <laughs> after all this is said and done. The Boda Box Company is going to lose a little bit of my business for the next month or two, I think. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> Your boxed wine. Your boxed wine. Yeah. My liver will think. It's me. okay. I'm sure. Yeah, we'll all be on a detox after. Thanks. Thanks, 1883. Well, this episode, I mean, definitely was, I mean, towards the end. There were no lack of tears. I I was gone. Absolutely gone. And we don't have to get there quite yet. We can reverse. And I actually just realized we haven't even hit, you know, the big thing. It's actually not that big, but it's always my favorite part. Trivia. How could I, how could I have forgotten? 
We do have some trivia, and I want to say now, because it pertains to trivia, that this there's going to be all sorts of spoilers as we talk here, including in this yes. week's new trivia question. Uh, but first, let's get the old trivia, uh, a winner, a couple of uh, punishments or rewards, depending on how you look at it. Uh, last week's trivia question was, in episode four of season four of Yellowstone, Beth finds out that Rip doesn't know his real birthday, so she gives him one. What is Rip Wheeler's birthday? Did you know? Yeah. No, I didn't. That's the one that I was like, oh, man, it's this is a good question. I, I don't remember. I wasn't sure if you so were just fleecing it? me for the sake of entertainment or if you truly didn't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> I truly had no clue. Okay. Fair enough. And this was fun. I'm glad my poker face is great. We got a lot of right and wrong answers and a, a ton of answers. Uh, the correct answer was September 28th. The winner was a woman named Kelly, and she didn't necessarily have anything that she wanted me to do or say, but she had some questions that maybe she hoped we would address. Uh, But don't worry, one of our old winners did come back, and he does have something for me to do today that will add a little bit of humor. But first, let's kind of focus on her questions here. Here we go. Okay, has four sixes been confirmed? This is the Jefferson White spinoff from Yellowstone, and yes, it has been confirmed. Right. The timeline was really, really unknown until now. Well, the producer of the shows, uh, David Glasser, did an interview with The Hollywood Reporter in which he revealed that the Four Sixes is scheduled to come out next year. We got to wait another year on this show. We thought that was actually coming sooner than later. Won't we have 1932 in between all of this? So we're going to kind of dive into the schedule a little bit later, but I think the next thing we'll see is more episodes of 1883, then New Yellowstone, and I think 1932 is in 2023 as well. Okay, well, we'll touch on that a little bit later because I do do have some questions there. But her second question was, with Catherine Kelly being upgraded to full-time on Yellowstone and Jefferson White returning for season five, will there be a Four Sixes spinoff? Yeah, that'd be like a spinoff of a spinoff. I don't think so. Uh, Catherine Kelly is Emily. Jimmy is Jefferson White, of course. And I don't even know if they're going to be full-time on Yellowstone. They're just confirmed to return, so they're going to be a part of it, uh, which makes sense a little bit if the Four Sixes show is being delayed until next year. I don't think there's going to be a spinoff of the Four Sixes unless that show really hits hard. We'll see on that. But as of now, no. Yeah, I, I would be. I would be surprised, but... As I've been continually kept humble on anything that Taylor Sheridan does, so I guess we'll see. But yeah, I would be I would be surprised. So two weeks ago, we had a winner named Scott, and I gave him an IOU on the trivia question reward, and he asked me to say Elsa's Indian name three times during this episode of the podcast, <laughs> and. Sam, that's a mouthful. It is. Sam gives her the nickname name, Lightning Yellow Hair, and then he says it in his Comanche language. And the name is, and I won't count this, I'll pepper it in three times La Hakitsi Paita Hapi okay. to Papi. Billy, that was pretty good. How long did you have to practice that before this, before this episode? 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think you're going to poker face me for a hot second and not tell me. I was nope. like, "Come on, Billy." Nope, it, it took a while. Well, let's where would you like to start on today's episode? There was a, like I said, a lot to unpack at the end. 
But I, I, I think, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. I would say, in summary of this episode for me, there wasn't anything that really surprised me. Pretty much I came into this episode, well, actually I say that there was one thing at the end that I, I, you were accurate on, I was inaccurate on. But other than that one moment that I can touch on in a little bit, pretty much what I what I thought was going to happen happened and um which it's been interesting looking through different forums and stuff I'm kind of the odd man out here it feels like most fans were expecting Elsa to live which like I said as anyone who's been listening to this podcast I am this hopeful I am hoping for the best you know all best outcome and uh, you, you know this time I was like let's just call a spade a spade this is what's going to happen I'm not going to overthink this it got to the point reading those comments where I started to think that our boldness in predicting Elsa was going to die was wrong. And and once again, I would have egg on my face like I've done previously on this podcast. But listen, <laughs> yeah. and there's still some people out there who think even after episode 10, Elsa somehow lives and continues into these additional episodes of 1883. And I'm here to tell you, y'all get let it go. She gone. Like that girl... <laughs> Is in the ground. Yes. She done. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. After that scene with James and Elsa and, you know, he's towering over or, you know, looking down at her as she's literally, she's she's dead. I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you pivot that moment to then all of a sudden, huh, actually, she's alive. You know? So before we continue down that thread, I, I do want to plug in because we forgot this week's trivia question because it does pertain to Elsa's death. Oh, and yes. we totally forgot about it. I did too. Um, yes. Staff at tasteofcountry.com is the email address for trivia answers. Or if you just have a theory or something you want to say about the show, that's where we kind of keep the conversation going. Um, but this week's trivia question, and I need you to be very, very specific and exact. What were Elsa's final words on Earth? The last thing she said, I'm looking for yes. a seven-word answer first person to get it right wins i actually know this one i'm super pumped <laughs> i can see you counting on your fingers there but <laughs> the winner i get to be their mouthpiece you can make me your mouthpiece and i will say or do whatever you want within reason and time constraints and people have had some fun of this so the question is what were elsa's also known as la hakitsi paita hapi to papi her last words one hey. yes that was good that was smooth. Wow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. You know, there really was a moment of hope during this episode where we thought Elsa might pull out because her fever breaks and her color comes back and she's feeling good. And then she gets ill again. And it seems like mm -hmm. the new group of natives that they meet might have a cure for what's ailing her. So it does kind of toy with us, toy with us throughout yes. of it. But everybody at every turn is like, you know, this girl's going to die, right? Okay, good, good, good. Quickly extinguishes the hope. Right. Like, make sure we're all on 
on the same page. Well, I did think when the natives, you know, took her down to the river and said, you know, the cold water will stop the bleeding. I, I will say I did for a hot second think, ooh, okay, actually she is going to live. But then kind of what you said, they couple that with, um, they were explaining that these arrows, a lot of times, they'll soak them in manure and stuff. So once it penetrates, it pretty much just completely, you know, destroys you internally um, and just really infects. And so when they said that, that's when, and that was, I think, that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was after the river scene. Yes. And so... That for me, I was like, ah, man, you just really put a nail in the coffin. I really was semi-hopeful here. And yeah, th- when they explained really what they do to the arrows, I thought, shoot, she's she's a goner. Nice knowing you, Elsa. Graham Greene is the actor there. He plays a character named Spotted Eagle. And we talked about him previously. He was in Dances with Wolves playing an important character. And we knew that scene was coming because it had been kind of preview. He, he, he also ultimately leads James Dutton to Paradise Valley, which is where the Yellowstone Ranch ends up being built. But can we go back up just a little bit? Because uh, there was something that was kind of historically interesting uh, that happened early in the episode when they finally rolled up to Fort Casper. Yeah, let's hear it. So the CY Ranch is what Fort Casper had become, and it was kind of a quasi-town run by Joseph Carey. Both real figures, Joseph Carey and the CY Ranch, very much real. Once again, it's uh, playing accurate to historical facts. CY Ranch would eventually become Casper. Mm-hmm. And today, as we speak, there is a CY Avenue running through Casper on which you can turn in and find your very own Walmart. Because it wouldn't be America without a Walmart on CY <laughs> Avenue in Casper. It's a big thoroughfare with a lot of <laughs> modern day commercializations. <laughs> I w- <laughs> I was mid-drink of water and almost choked on that. If that's just not what I was expecting you to say, Billy, you really, that mic drop was the wrong, that was not what I was expecting, but we love a good Walmart. I feel like Spotted Eagle is probably turning in his grave somewhere, (laughs) because that's sad. Oh, I'm sure. Well, and set up this scene real quick. It was interesting, you know, when they they got to this fort, pretty much there was no one to help medical-wise. It kind of seemed that they were kind of bare bones, just kind of surviving. I thought it was interesting that they went there in the first place, because we ended episode nine not believing that they were going to go to the fort. But you're right. We turned up there, and the doctor didn't really have any staff or any uh, medical equipment. He couldn't do anything to help La Haikitsi, Paita, Hoppy to Poppy. And beyond that, they learned that everybody at that uh, ranch is loyal to the three men that James, Shea, and Thomas shot during episode nine. So they kind of decide, oh boy, we better mm-hmm. better mosey on out of here before people figure out what's happened here. Uh, and they head north, but right. the immigrants decide, we're good. We got it from here. See you in Oregon, y'all. And that was a bad decision. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We ha- we've got to talk about uh, Yosef before we get to too deep into anything else yeah we i think you and i were both <laughs> half right on the yosef and risa prediction i i was convinced they would both live you were convinced they would both die and um we kind of split the difference but yosef you describe what happens to yosef please because i don't like thinking about it real <laughs> a whole lot 
I don't either. To be honest, I watched a scene Billy on mute because I knew I was like, uh-uh, I'm going to hear sounds I do not want to hear and I would like to sleep tonight, okay? So I did, I will say I watched this whole scene on mute uh, and I'm very glad I did. But pretty much when he got bitten by the rattlesnake, which I think at first they were kind of contemplating, you know, sometimes they dry, they dry strike. Well, this rattlesnake did not dry strike. Mm-mm. Uh, Yosef very much so infected him you know they look at his leg and pretty much I think it was Tom I think it was Thomas who pretty much said either you're gonna live without the leg or you can keep the leg but you're gonna die and so Yosef decides okay we're gonna pretty much he gets his leg amputated I'll save you all you know the details but they they go in depth of the whole process of pretty much get him completely drunk, which I was curious of how they were going to do that. I'm like, oh my gosh, we have no medicine, just, you know, morphine or anything to knock him out. How are we going to do this? Um, and he jokes, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm German. And so it's it's going to take me a lot to actually get me, you know, completely just blacked out. But they do. And yeah, pretty much uh, Margaret, James, yeah, Noemi. Uh, yeah, and they, they amputate his leg. <laughs> That's the most simplified version. Uh, if you get queasy, I would also recommend just listening to it on mute. Uh, two moments from that that really yeah. stood out to me was Thomas, Thomas's real casual way of letting Yosef know that he was going to lose his leg. He's like, well, I can take your leg or you can die with it. And that's it. And then, uh-huh. And then after they take it, the leg's just laying there and someone's like oh bury that he doesn't need to see that and you look over there's just this leg <laughs> sitting on the dirt it's like oh God. <laughs> i know well and actually going back to uh, thomas's statement right there this isn't the first time he just casually says something very heavy just if you remember with shay yeah he tells shay pretty much like okay we'll make your decision are you gonna shoot yourself and i'm gonna have to bury you or are we gonna keep moving like no bs very straightforward but but packs a punch in his statements, yeah. you know? Yeah, he, I, I loved his character in the end. And I really loved Noemi as well. She really, she's too. great on camera. And yes. I'm going to be sad not to see that relationship um, probably ever again. But she she they were both really good together in the end. It was weird when they first started becoming a couple because it seemed to be kind of a little bit forced. Yes. But without a lot of time on yes. screen together, it, it really became kind of a natural relationship that you understood. And, and I'll miss that. Yes, she grew on me. In the beginning, when she was throwing herself on Shay, I was eye-rolling over here. But I really did enjoy, I would agree with you, the development of their relationship, I, I really enjoyed. And um, yeah, but back to Yosef Yo- and his wife. Yosef lives even as an amputee. And the long story short, wife does not. Risa. So we split the difference there. We did. Risa was really the first key death. After all the immigrants get killed, and all the immigrants get killed by bandits, and I mean all of them. So the entire immigrant population gets killed along the Oregon Trail. But but we see Risa die, and it's from there that I think that's kind of where the waterworks might start for a lot of people. And then the last 15 minutes or so are just like this this deepening pool of tears and snot as um, she dies. Uh, we, we, we kind of are greeted with Elsa's final moments, and... Um, James and Elsa have to ride off together on horseback. And Elsa says she wants to choose where she ultimately dies and is buried, which means 
It's bad news for Margaret. Oh, this is this is the part where I didn't cry as much, you know, over Yosef and all the above. I was it was when actually I didn't cry at all, but it was when this pivotal moment where this mother is not going to be able because pretty much they say, you know, they can make it to Paradise Valley uh, on horseback and it's going to take about two days. Um, but with the wagons, it's going to take about a week and pretty much also doesn't have have that time. So they have to make, you know, a parent's worst nightmare of who stays, who goes parent wise. And also I'm about to, you know, I'm sending my child off with my husband and I will never see her again. And oh man, and I'm not, I'm not a parent, but I, you know, very much so just, oh, that just got me of like, how can you, you know, look at someone for the very last time and then no, I'm never, I'm never going to see them again. And just all that emotion that came with it. And um, it was interesting seeing Margaret's character, you know, really what I loved is you could tell that this is about to be a, a gruesome decision that she has to, you know, go along with. Um, but also at the same time, I think it's really cool to see how strong she is when she's around Elsa of not letting that emotion show, you know, of like keeping that really strong face um, and letting those last moments together be one of bravery and um, just like really sweet, tender, just I love you. I that that scene, I think out of everything, even Tim scene that we can talk about in a second. And I think that was my favorite out of the whole of the whole episode. I don't know how people who might have lost um, a child could watch this series or, or really lost anybody important to them. But I, I, I do mm. know they have. I got a great email from a, yeah. from a woman named Dawn who um, shared that five years ago her son, uh, Zan, uh, died quite suddenly. And it was a pretty emotional email. And I apologize, Dawn, I haven't had mm. a chance to respond to you, but I will. I was just a little bit um, busy with a few different things last weekend. But she shared her story and seemed to have a lot of appreciation for for kind of watching this journey and you know, an journey that we kind of all knew was inevitably going to lead to Elsa's death. Um, mm -hmm. And it does. Um, mm -hmm. Elsa finds a tree that she likes and uh, her and James mm -hmm. are leaning against the tree. And they, they have a really sweet conversation about their first memories. And she kind of dozes off and then and then comes to and uh, says her final words and makes some realizations about what life, death, and heaven mean before um, a, a really moving moment from Tim McGraw and James Dutton where he he loses it yeah that, that was that was really powerful I, I'd love to yeah. hear him talk about that scene in, in some detail oh I I thought that it actually well I mean for both Faith and Tim um but yeah Faith I mean uh Tim specifically and I've kind of said this throughout you know I, I came into this you know I, I really think 1883 showcased Faith's acting in a way that I wasn't expecting. And not to say that Tim didn't show up. Um, I think he gave me what I was expecting. But I will say in this last scene, I think he just really um, just surpassed the bar that I had had. And it, it, it was almost, and I'm curious if you felt the same way, you know, his acting almost seemed... I, it, it seemed real, like in the sense of I'm curious and kind of what you just said. Like, I'd love to talk to him of, you know, if that was just pulled from, a, I mean, he has three daughters. And so 
Um, yeah, the, the acting in that scene just seems so, so genuine that this was so much deeper than, than acting at this point. A number of people have pointed out some similarities between the death of Elsa and, this, and the death of Lee to start season one of Yellowstone, where we see John holding Lee and uh, James holding Elsa, and the importance and the significance of birds in both scenes. Birds sort of seem to be a pretty mm. critical part um, of both scenes, okay. not only to how they die, but um, where they're buried. And to kind of pull that out even further, at the very beginning of this latest episode of 1883, we see birds flying overhead. And I couldn't help but think of a scene from Yellowstone end of season three, where it's kind of right before the attacks happen, we start to see a lot of birds and crows flying overhead. This seems to be uh, something that Taylor Sheridan likes to do. Like birds are symbols of life or death, uh, depending on when and how we see them. I don't know. Maybe there's more examples of that as well. Um, I had trouble finding the lead death scene, but I do recall him holding it, John Dutton holding him in his arms as he as he died. You know, for the beginning of the show, we were looking for ways to tie 1883 and Yellowstone together. And I think around episode four, like, it became pretty clear that 1883 was its own show and maybe it, it was not doing it justice to try to make it like a, a Yellowstone sequel. But I think these last couple episodes, they've sort of come right. glued back together uh, and pointing us uh, towards certain directions or certain conclusions, not only about the end of 1883, but, but about the, the Dutton family journey continuing from here. Uh, and that was just one way they did it because uh, Spotted Eagle points them to Paradise Valley, which is where the modern Dutton family lives. And we can only assume that's where else is buried is the first uh, uh, tombstone of many to come uh, from the Dutton family, the first grave mark. Right. But you were saying people are kind of questioning that accuracy there. So this is if one of... want to touch on that a little bit. I do. This is one of the reasons that people were really hung up on this idea that Elsa or La Hakitsi Paita Hapi to Papi didn't die. Uh, during episode seven of season one of Yellowstone, John Dutton is giving a speech during which he says something along the lines like, uh, every member of my family since 1886 is buried... 300 yards from my house, but he specifically says 1886. People believed that Elsa lives three more years because why would he say 1886 if it was really 1883? And I think the answer to that is a right. logical one. Taylor wrote this five or six years ago before 1883 was really even a thing. Like this was episode seven of season one of Yellowstone. He was not necessarily planning out the details of the Yellowstone origin story to come some four or five years later. Like it's a forgivable plot hole. And I think to try to pin him down yeah. on everything he said during season one of Yellowstone is really pretty unfair. You could justify it as like maybe John Dutton even got his history wrong during that speech. But like, 1886, 1883, I'm cool with that mistake or that plot hole. I don't think that something else happens in the next uh, few episodes it. to kind of fill that gap. I think he just, you know, he had to make a decision for the good of the franchise. Well, and it really is interesting to see how many people, as I'm looking through, you know, different Facebook groups and 
all the above. I mean, I'd say the over, I'm the minority in feeling like, you know, no, no, she's dead. She's gone. You know, it's, it's very interesting to just see how much or how many people just so desperately want to cling on to the fact of like, no, but Elsa is alive. And normally I am that person. And so it's just interesting to see, like, I would say the majority has really just hoped that she would live. But I will say I love, I was not expecting for the episode to end the way it did. I think, you know, a lot of times, <laughs> as we know, these episodes just are just end heavy. And so I expected, you know, kind of the end to be Tim and Isabel May, you know, sitting against the tree um, and, and her dying, essentially. And I thought, okay, this is, I've known this is coming, it's going to end here. Uh, but the way that they did it in which she at first, it almost, I'm like, oh, wait, she lived. And then I realized, I was like, nope, this is, like, metaphorical. Like, she's not actually, it's almost like a dream. It's her heaven. Uh, where she meets up with Sam. And, yeah, it's it's her heaven. And just really cool of, she almost lets fans, in, or not she almost, she does, lets fans know, like, I'm going to be okay. Uh, and she pretty much says, you know, like, this is, like, she's happy where she's at, which I, after emotionally, you know, going like a roller coaster throughout this episode, I think that was just a really cool way of kind of tying up just all the emotions of like, hey, I've been with you through this entire, you know, journey of 1883. And don't mourn my loss, because I'm actually like, I'm good where I'm at. I just thought that was really beautifully done and wasn't expecting that. But uh, yeah, just I love the way that Taylor Sheridan ended up writing it. I, I felt <laughs> I felt like I had closure. Some people thought that Sam's presence during that scene meant that he too died. And I don't think that's accurate. I think it means that she just wanted him in her version of heaven. Um, but you know who she didn't include in her version of heaven that we kind of all expected to make some sort of appearance for the end of the season was Ennis. Because we thought Ennis filmed more scenes. Ennis. And at the end of the day, we never saw Ennis again. Yeah. I expected kind of a flashback, but maybe those scenes no, were there. I... And he got cut or something. Maybe. Yeah, I'd like to ask him now. Go, hey, excuse me. Where where, where do you come into play? Yeah. He kind of le- I was expecting. I, I wasn't necessarily expecting to see him at that point, but I was surprised that we really, we never saw him again. After he died, he died. Uh, but I will say there was one scene and Billy, you were right. You were right. <laughs> Should we go there? Hit me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you know where I, I'm headed. I like when I'm right. Go Lashay. there. Shame. <laughs> I know you are right. So here, just to catch people up to speed, my theory. I was very hell bent on. I said, Billy Shay is going to make it to the ocean, and he's going to live. Billy was very confident that Shay was going to die. And I said, "Mm -mm, he's going to live. Well, we get to the scene where he makes it to the ocean. I truly had this moment of like, ha, I get to tell Billy, look, I was actually right. Joke's on you. And in this exact moment, I was immediately humbled because as he is looking out at the ocean, pretty much tells his, you know, says out loud, telling him his wife uh, you know, the spirit of his wife, you know, look at the ocean. And then he shoots himself. So, Billy, you were right. He died. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm majorly humbled. 
because I genuinely was like, ha we're going to record this podcast and I get to stick it in Billy's face that, look, the hopeful Addison was accurate, which I guess I kind of was if I did say he's going to make it to the ocean. But I mean, could we have not let him live? I don't take a lot of joy in being right <laughs> in this case, necessarily. Um, we, she, we see Shay's fate after we learn that Thomas and Noemi and her boys do make it to Oregon and they, they stake claim on land. Yosef's going to start up um, some property of his own, but then the Shay scene. And right before he dies, we see Shay looking at a small hummingbird kind of fluttering in, in front of his face. So once again, the birds. Who oh, do yes. you think the yes. bird was supposed to represent? Yes. I would say his, I think just by default, his wife. But he technically already, you know, I could see it also being, I could see it being, I was going to say Elsa. I, I'll just stick, I'll stick with his wife. To be honest, I don't, I don't really know. I could go, I could go either way. I thought his wife, but a lot well, of people. I just don't remember. A lot of people seem to think Elsa for some reason. And I didn't really think about it like that. But I think okay. to me, it was clear it was his wife and he was having that moment with his wife and Elsa was out of his mind by that point. Right. Well, I assumed his wife, but I just kind of kept thinking. I don't, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember any pivotal moment where Shay is talking about, you know, a hummingbird throughout, you know, that, that would resemble his wife or anything like that. That's what I was trying to draw the pinpoint to, but I just, I couldn't, I tried to not overthink that moment. I, I will say what was interesting, I really didn't think Yosef, I, they carried the character so much farther than I than I thought. I don't know if you thought we were going to see. I, I just never thought we were going to see where he ended up. And the fact that we see, you know, amputee and all, he's going to settle. And he's, you know, the last thing that we see of him is him literally creating, starting the foundation of um, shelter, essentially. And I, I just didn't, I was surprised that we got that far with him. Yeah, I agree. Um, we also got a little bit of a conclusion to Wade and Colton, the two cowboys. They kind of just ride off back towards yeah. Texas, and, and Elsa yeah. kind of wonders what becomes of them. And, and she actually puts kind of a deadly spin on it. She concludes that they're going to die along the Oregon Trail, which seemed a little bit um, skeptical yes. to me. I like to believe that Wade and Colton are still out there cowboying for some other trail goers, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, who knows? So uh, we do know a little bit more about what's next on this show. And we were kind of wrong about one thing. And that I think we wanted to call okay. what the new episodes of 1883 a default second season. And the producer of the show, uh, David Glasser, made clear that that's not the case. These are truly just additional episodes. I even suspect maybe that they're already filmed. The second season of 1883, in their minds, in the, in the show's mind is the show 1932. So it's a new show, but that's Which technically I like. its second season. So I think we're going to get maybe four more episodes with Tim McGraw and company, and then that's truly going to be it. And then some point next season, next year, we'll get 1980, uh, 1932, which will, you know, Tim McGraw's character would be 80-some years old, so I can't imagine he's going to, to star in this show. Or or Margaret. Or Margaret. Or Faith. Right. Yeah. Maybe their characters do, but by different actors. Um, so mm -hmm. that that's – we had that wrong. I, I kind of thought maybe 1883 and 1932 would be parallel shows, but that's definitely not going to be the case uh, in 2023. I'm excited, though. I like that, that that's how they're doing it, of not 
making it kind of, you know, season two. It's its own thing, but it just is the continuation of the story. I, I really, I think that's creative. I'm kind of going to miss the, uh, I don't know, the 1883 in the setting, uh, the 19th century setting, but I'll get over it. Yeah, you were more, I'm I'm more personally for the, you know, Yellowstone, th- that scene. But yes, I know that you were a nerd history buff over here, and I <laughs> thoroughly, thoroughly appreciate it. But I'm, I'm ready for, I'm ready to breathe a little bit. I'm ready to laugh a little bit. I was emotionally thrown yeah. through the ringer here. But great show, well done, and excited for, yeah, what's, excited for what's next, which Speaking of. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Are we are we ready for that point to to touch on our fan Q and A? I'm excited for this one. Hit me. Okay, the first one I have for you today is from Ted and says, "Just curious, which Dutton represents the seventh generation?" So this is the conversation that James Dutton had with Spotted Eagle, as played by Graham Greene. Um, he at the end, uh, right after he points the Duttons to Paradise Valley, he says, "Just know." In seven generations, my people will rise up and take the land back. And James Dutton responds with something like, your people can have it at that point. Now, along the way, they kind of make an agreement that the uh, the tribe will forever be able to hunt that land. So it kind of creates that allyship that we even see sort of played out in the modern day Yellowstone, like this um, this affection for the, for the natives. That's kind of unique and special. Um, but the seven generations thing is, to me, the most important thing moving forward that came from this entire season, this entire show of 1883, because you got to count seven generations. And who does that lead us to? Are you ready? For, are you, this is this is a lot, Addison. So take a breath and try to keep up with me. All right. I got my down. pen. Okay. Okay. Taylor Sheridan said that James Dutton is the great, great, great grandfather okay. to John Dutton. Right? First generation, James Dutton. Second generation, John Sr. Third generation, John Jr. And at this point, this would be great-grandfather to John Dutton. Okay? Right. Fourth generation, John Jr.'s kid. Fifth generation is that kid's kid, who would be... John Dutton's dad. Okay. Sixth generation, John Dutton. Seventh generation, uh-huh. Casey Dutton. The light bulb just went off for you. <laughs> the light bulb just went off because you know what I'm flashing back to, Billy? I do. I'm flashing back to this dang wolf scene. Where he goes, I saw the end of us. Yes. Oh, this is coming full circle. Ooh, this is good. Now, you could interpret what Spotted Eagle said as seven more generations, in which case maybe you get to Tate 
as the seventh generation. I, I think that's fair. But I think you have to say that what Casey saw was truly the end of the Dutton Ranch and the end of, uh, you know, the Yellowstone Ranch and the, and the, and the end of the Duttons. And you got to believe it's going to get turned over somehow to the natives being Chief Thomas Rainwater and Gil Birmingham's people. Mic drop. <laughs> I'm speechless. That was good, Billy. That was good. Wow. Who's next? Okay, Dylan says we've got I've got Dylan for you next. In the most recent episode, nine, after she was struck with the arrow in her narrative, she says, as my father would say, the one good thing about problems is they'll still be problems later. Don't have to deal with them right away. In Yellowstone Season 2, Episode 7, Casey says, Well, ain't that the things about problems, Dad? No matter how long you're gone, they'll be right here when you get back. Dylan kind of crushed this one. This is amazing. And he's absolutely right. The lines are almost identical between Casey and John and Elsa, which she says that um, James says. And part of me wonders if Taylor Sheridan intentionally scripted it that way to tie the shows together. But it also occurs to me, and I think this prob- this could be the, the case, sometimes when you write so much, you forget you wrote something already. <laughs> you know, we, we're, in the, we're in the music <laughs> business, and I got to imagine there's songwriters You're out right. there who have written the same song two or three times. I know I've written the same headline two or three times and then gone back and caught it and yes. gone, oh, that's why that seemed like such a great idea is because it did. It was a great idea 18 months ago. <laughs> <laughs> strikes gold twice <laughs> but big thanks to dylan there i think that was a, a really astute observation and man i i really just love our our listeners for pointing out things like that um and send more of them my way Me staff too. at tasteduncher.com i love going down these these rabbit holes for things like this Alrighty, the last one I've got for us is good news from Ryan, who is marrying into the Dutton family, who says, I met with the Dutton family, and I have Mr. John Dutton's blessing to have their daughter's hand in marriage. Don't plan on kidnapping a priest, though. <laughs> this is our own little Dutton family <laughs> drama that we've we've created on a micro level. Uh, Ryan emailed a while back <laughs> that his girlfriend um, had the last name... Dutton and her father's name was John Dutton, and he was very nervous, very nervous about being taken to the what train station. The and uh, well, congrats, a wedding. <laughs> he's uh, he's getting married. He is the either the Rip Wheeler or the Monica Long of the family. Kind of remains to be seen, but uh, congratulations to Ryan and uh, Ms. Dutton for now. <laughs> That's fun. The real question is: Are we invited? We can we can host the podcast live. I'm sure I'm sure your uh, your girlfriend potential fiance would love that one. Yeah, nothing. Just gets, throwing it out there. We're nothing for hire. gets wedding guests more excited <laughs> than a live podcast taping. <laughs> <laughs> Big thanks to Ryan, Dylan, and Ted for their messages and emails to staff at tasteofcountry.com. That's the address for trivia answers as well, but you'd better hurry because only the first correct answer wins. I'm Addison Hager, and on behalf of Billy Dukes and the entire Taste of Country team, thanks so much for joining us weekly for the Dutton Rules podcast. You can find cast interviews and news about Yellowstone 
1983, and 1932 in the archives. So tap follow and then be kind and leave a review and a five-star rating where possible. Denton Rules is written by myself and Billy Dukes with the help from Sterling Whitaker and produced by Billy Dukes. As always, Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast, is another great Townsville Media podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.